Welcome back to The Hang. Today is May 8th, 2019, and today we're here with Alan Blanchard, and we are going to talk a little bit about, I don't know, current events in jazz, I think. And uh, so thanks for being here, Alan. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's always fun to get up and, and just shoot the bird, you know? Yeah, and you get to make fun of me, which is always probably the best part for you. Oh, no. We're just don't bring up slang again, and we'll be good. Yeah, 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 I'll try. <laughs> but um, last week, uh, I think this would be a good jumping off place, because if we're going to talk about current events in jazz, uh, last week on what day? The 30th. What day was the 30th? That was Tuesday of last yeah, week. I think... Um... Um, was International Jazz Day. And uh, International Jazz Day, if you didn't know, is an internationally celebrated UNESCO-backed um, event uh, that takes place. It took place this year in Melbourne, Australia, and it's been getting, I don't I feel like it, sometimes it's bigger and smaller, but for the last seven or eight years, it's been a, an event that's been put on and, and they spend a lot of money on it. So I don't know, Alan, did you get to see any of the video of the performance? Yeah, I mean, I watched some of the um, the one that was, uh, you know, I didn't get to watch it live. I watched some of the stream after the fact on YouTube. Uh, and it's certainly always interesting, you know, to see who who gets picked, you know, and whatnot to, to represent, I guess. Because it certainly is, you know, trying to represent many countries internationally rather than just the, the people that we know back home here, you know? Right, right. So there probably there can be some people. I'm sure you knew some, most of the people, but maybe a few people you didn't know. Uh, there were definitely some of the international people I didn't know. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, but I, I knew everybody that was from the U.S. and whatnot. I was kind of surprised um, at some people that I thought that could have been a part of it that weren't. I mean, they might have been in previous years because some it, it, they always do a different place and different people are involved. Right, right, and I mean, you know, it was just interesting. So, did you? But did you, it was it was really cool. Like, you know, when it opened up though with uh, James Morrison, who I didn't know was from Australia, which I probably should have. Um, you didn't know he was from Australia? Yeah. Where did you think he was from? I thought he was from uh, New Zealand. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, which I feel like is an okay mistake to make at first. <laughs> I don't think if you asked an Australian if that was okay, that that would be okay. No, I mean, of course, not at all. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it's opened up with him playing uh, with a didgeridoo, which was like really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, wait, that was at the beginning? I thought that was in the middle of it. No, that was the very yeah. beginning. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how it started out. Was a duet. Oh, I think I missed the very beginning. Yeah, I did. Now I'm scrolling back through. I see here. Yeah, I mean, they, they you know, they brought it back a couple of times, but it was, again, interesting. Um, so I don't know if you know a lot of how this stuff's worked, because I don't. Um, how is it like, uh, how are the, the song choices curated? Like, how do they choose what they're going to do with that? Do you know? I don't know. I think it's it's kind of run by John Beasley, pianist. John is a pianist that lives in L.A., uh, I played with him a couple of times out there, but he's like highly involved with the Monk Institute, but I guess it's now the Hancock Institute. But, um, so he's a pianist. He does lots of different types of gigs. He used to play with Freddie, Freddie Hubbard and a slew of, you know, other people. But I think he, he was listed as the musical director and he's been the musical director for years. 
uh, of this jazz day. So I would imagine that it's some kind of collaborative effort between him and Herbie. And then I think James Morrison was part of the planning, the planning committee for this year's year's event. Yeah. I just thought it was um, interesting because it, it, uh, it certainly, you know, like, whereas it was very inclusive of like international cultures and whatnot as a, as how they interpret or, or contribute to jazz or whatnot. I thought it was interesting to see like there wasn't, um, and again, my own biases, but like there wasn't anything like new Orleans, you know, or there wasn't even necessarily like earlier bebop and whatnot. Um, you know, the, the, the sure. earliest thing might've been like when Kurt Allen was singing, um, yeah. uh, did you call her? Yeah. Yeah. That could have, that could have been, um, I, I don't know. They just, they try their best. So I see. So you want more, more, uh, New Orleans traditional kind of stuff in your international representation of jazz. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it, like, I'm not trying to knock it. Like it was certainly a, a great, uh, a concert by all means, but it was just a little, uh, it was interesting to see that and whatnot. It was, it was, what was the coolest thing though, was definitely seeing like the internationally like instruments woven in through like, uh, some of the numbers, like James Morrison talked about how he was, that was like the biggest thing that he first learned was he was like, you know, being over here in Australia, will I have a place elsewhere when I turned 16? Um, and he was like, that was his first gig, I guess, in the U S and that was when he first felt like inclusive in that manner. And so, it's it was interesting to then see them bring out again like the didgeridoo, which <laughs> definitely was acting in ways that I didn't think a didgeridoo could. Um, or when they brought out the the musicians from China and from India and and whatnot to all to all play on a, on a tune, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely as soon as you start adding those people that are playing those non jazz instruments, it definitely has a certain kind of like world music kind of connotation instead of more of a jazz oriented well maybe not that's not the right way to put it but traditional jazz oriented thing or piece but uh i was happy to see my good friend matt jodrell was featured there at the beginning of the concert so that was good matt's matt was at juilliard and then we played together and lucas pino's nonet and he moved back to australia to teach at james morrison's school because james started this school out there i forget what it's called it's not the one in perth is it no, that's where that's where Matt went to school out in Perth. But um, is it just the James Morrison Academy? I forget James Morrison Academy, Australia. That's not what it's called, though. Well, maybe it is. That's what it's called. It is called the James Morrison Academy of Music. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, and so anyway, so Matt moved back to teach teach over there. But um, so it was cool to get, to be able to see him get featured. So anyway. That's just a personal aside. Did you see the um, the number that had like uh, you know, where James Morrison once again was was playing trombone and they were doing like the the tr- three trombones were were out there playing. Oh, Bernie's tune. Yeah, they played Bernie's tune. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about uh, is it intimidating at all with James Morrison being able to play every instrument better than the rest of us? Is it intimidating for who? For them? For no, those for guys? <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, he can do everything. Come on, man. It's not fair. It really is. I feel like you should only be, you know, two max. <laughs> two, yeah, two or three, but not all, not everything. Right. 
Well, I guess some people are just gifted in that way, man. I don't know. Yeah, and it was here's the other thing I didn't know. Um, you you know uh, when Kurt Elling was singing "Did You Call It a Day?" Was he? Uh, were those like all the original lyrics? I didn't know that there was lyrics. I just know the. Okay, cool. I'm glad I'm not the one that like because I don't know if he wrote the lyrics for him or if there's some version that I just haven't heard of that had the lyrics for that had uh, lyrics for it. But I'd only heard like the Ben's and Ben and Sweets version. Right, that's the one that I know. Um, I don't know another version. But there's probably words to it. That's probably where it came from. Or somebody wrote it. Maybe John Hendricks or one of these people that writes lyrics to tunes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was a, it was a great concert. You know, I, but again, like that's a, that's a good point that you brought up. Because I think when I was first listening to it, um, I there were certain things that I might have expected to be a part of it. But I didn't take into consideration, you know, them not trying to repeat something that they had done in previous years, you know. Yeah, because I mean, in previous years, I've seen more of the the actual Monk Institute like involved throughout throughout the performance, and I've seen other you know like more American musicians involved and stuff like that. I mean, it was at that. I feel like that concert at the White House might have also been Jazz Day. Was was that what it was? The you one that had that like a trombone shorty and whatnot. And yeah, and McBride's big band right. and all of that. But that, that may, maybe that wasn't a jazz day thing, but I forget. But it's been going on for seven or eight years. But so now what I want to know is if so, if you haven't seen it, you can find it on YouTube for those of you listening. Find, find International Jazz Day. It's the title of the video is 2019 International Jazz Day All Star Global Concert from Melbourne. I don't know why they didn't add Australia too, but. Um, so that's the video, but you can go back and you can see all the previous year's uh, concerts. But, oh, good. It's just playing. Very good. Um, <laughs> this is a professional operation we have yeah, here. Don't you worry. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know if that one was, yeah, maybe that was something else. But in addition to the Jazz J celebration that they do, that's the big one they used to reach out more across the world to try to like organize events all over. Um, did you know about this at no, all or no? Not at all. So I think they must've not really, they must've realized it wasn't like getting very much traction. Cause I know that we used to do concerts in Rochester on international jazz day, just to have something going on like on international jazz day. And they would kind of promote it all together as like all this stuff that was happening on this day trying to trying to bring i don't know vision bring not like vision, but visibility a little counterproductive because then it's just pulling away from maybe the live live stream that they like want it to be a part of well i mean the live stream only like is you know it's at one time across the world so it's like not always at the best time right. for everybody oh yeah international jazz day at the white house yeah that was that was at the that was the white house Jazz day. It is interesting though, because like I, you know, I'm on their website now and I'm going through like the past uh, concerts and whatnot, and you do see a couple of the same people always, uh, always a part of it or whatnot. Like uh, Jody hmm. Francesco, um, Kurt, yeah, Elling. Kurt Elling, Igor Bootman. Um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. But I mean, let's well, see. Brant Brantford was on last yeah, year's, which you know, I'm a huge. Fan. Carl Allen was on the year before, and Quincy and. That was in uh, Cuba. 
Yeah, so they, they move it all around. And I think it's all in the effort of – it's just all in the effort. I think it's kind of based in uh, trying to promote peace and stuff like that rather than the music itself, but the collaborative international nature of the music. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it would be interesting. I, I feel like people don't know about it or nobody cares about it, but it seems like it's a cool thing. Anyway, I'm just getting up on my high horse now and saying that I think people should pay attention. Are you telling me that you like jazz? Is that what you're saying? I do like jazz, Alan. I do. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe uh, people are it will be moved to check it out next year. So 2020, I don't know where it's at. Did this say? Uh, no, I don't see it uh, announced or anything in that regards. Um, but I mean, you know, it's certainly very soon. Um, after the first one, though, you would think that they might, I don't know. That is interesting because it's like, they nope. might announce at that one. I found it. Gonna be. It's Cape town. Oh, Cape town, 2020, uh, on the international. All right. Jazz so we're going Day to South website. Africa. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We might have to send a delegation from outside of music to represent at, uh, the 2020 Stop. international jazz. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, and I see okay. stuff moving. Yeah, we're both moving. Okay, sorry, podcast. I might edit this out, but maybe I'll leave it in. We're having some technical difficulties with the podcast. Um, and uh, we're back, though. We're back. We were talking about International Jazz Day. We're moving on from International Jazz Day. What we decided was that more people should probably be aware of it and that we've done a bad job of publicizing it. Yes. Anyway, so... An update, Alan has recently finished his master's degree and has left school. So, Alan, what's happening now? Tell people about what they should do when they get out of college with their master's degree in a jazz trumpet. Lay the knowledge on us. Yes, all the knowledge that I have, all the In your two days. Knowledge. Um, yeah, Jesus. Well, my first advice would be to just rip it off like a Band-Aid. And just leave. <laughs> just leave. I see. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think it was definitely, um, you know, even being here now and like, I do have a couple of people that I've been talking to, like I'm in Nashville now to those that don't know. Um, and there's a couple of people I've talked to that are out here that are in the, in the scene doing the music thing. Um, but I, you know, it always would have felt easier and it always would have been easier to just stay where I was. You know, of course, because, like that's what you know. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think it's also really important to um, to be open minded. Uh, you know, I say this having not had any gigs yet in Nashville, but like, don't you know, like Nashville necessarily isn't known for having a jazz scene. So something I've really been um, trying to keep in the front of my mind is not trying to turn away some gig where I'm just playing trumpet you know yeah because there's gonna be there's like a whole bar scene down here um i mean there's a bar scene in many cities let me rephrase on that <laughs> but but they're like the party bands and whatnot you know and just the jam bands and all and at the end of the day if i'm getting paid to play trumpet then then i'm happy you know sure but uh so there is a jazz scene there there's rudy's jazz room right that's, right, but it's no, it's no like New Orleans or New York or or, or Tallahassee like for that matter. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know anything about um, like I mean I know University of Tennessee has a decent jazz program, Vanderbilt, right? 
Yeah, I don't know anything about them or or Belmont. Belmont has a good a good scene. There's some good people over there. Well, look at that man. You're already educating me on Alex Graham. Alex is a great uh, alto player. He he teaches over there at Belmont. He um he's really great. You would like his playing. So <laughs> why, write that why down. Would I like his playing. Because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex Graham Belmont. Yeah, there you go. See, this is really useful for everyone that's about to move to Nashville and wants to be in the scene. And then you check out the Nashville Jazz Workshop. Yeah, yeah. I've been checking them out. Um, you know, obviously the first thing I'm trying to do is just make sure um I go check out other people's shows. You know, I think that's important to do. Um mm-hmm. Cause if you, you know, that's where they are. So <laughs> why not? Um, but you know, it's not, yeah, I don't mean to say like, there's nothing going on here because there obviously is some things going on, here. but I think you just got to figure out who's, um, who's doing stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a uh, Roland Barber. Who's a great trombone player. He, he's lives there in Nashville. He plays, he plays around. You can check him out. Yeah, we I mean, come on. his brother plays saxophone. Come on. I don't know this stuff, man. I'm, I'm just here telling, for two I'm days. Sure. <laughs> I'm saying you should have already figured out the whole scene by now. Come on. Oh, God. I mean, Haven't Jeff Kaufman. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Kaufman, Kaufman. Yeah, teaches, at, uh, teaches at uh, Vanderbilt. There you go. See, you'll be, you'll be on your feet in no time. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. You'll be on your feet in no time. Playing all the gigs in Nashville. So what yeah. was it like finishing? Where I know you've been in school probably. Did you take a year off? No, you didn't. No, you went straight through. I went straight through. Straight through. So yeah. what's the plan? I mean, you're you're hanging out in Nashville. God. Okay. Um, what else? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, this summer uh, I'm attending Ravinia, which will be really cool. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't Fun really fact, know. you can't fly to Midway airport if you're going to the Ravinia festival. <laughs> Just if anyone wanted to know. Oh yeah. 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 That's a, it's a true statement. They, they suggest flying into O'Hare. Um, so when is that June? Yeah. 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 I fly out um the 6th of June. Okay. And that's how long? Um, Two weeks, one week, a uh, week and a half. It's like six to 15. Mm. Um, nice. Which is, you know, I'm, uh, that'll be interesting because it's all about, um, I don't, were you a participant in it when you were a kid? I was not. Oh, look at that. Um, it's all about doing like uh, new music and they, it's, they want it to all be originals. Cool. So that can be really cool. I've, you know, I've heard, um, you know, there's, there's a wide variety of the types of compositions that people are bringing, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about, um, and of course I say it's all about having like not attended yet, mm-hmm. but, uh, the people that have gone in the past tell me that like, you spend a lot of time with, uh, there's 15 fellows that go and then you like are switching up the bands all the time to just get used to like playing with new people and playing their music. And, and, uh, then you're coached by Steve Wilson, uh, Rufus Reed and Billy Childs. That's good. On, um, writing. Yeah. I mean, I met Billy Childs when he was, uh, down at FSU with, um, with uh, Becca Stevens, okay, several years ago, and so that was really cool because also I didn't expect Billy Childs to be with Becca Stevens. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very excited for that. And I, I mean, I think I've talked to you about it some, but my biggest thing is just trying to um, make sure I'm staying organized or, or staying like having a sense of structure 
when, um, cause you know, school kind of forces you to be at least a little structured. Sure. It does. Um, and so trying to make sure that I'm still like, like goal setting, going back to like everything that you've ever talked about probably is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's important to do. Cause then you have like something you're trying to do. Yes. Um, yes. I will say that I'm like strangely, uh, and I don't know if you experienced this when you weren't in school. Like I, I'm much more motivated to practice now. Yeah, you have. I mean, I, I think I was motivated to practice for a short period of time right after I got finished with school. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> that was um, me. That doesn't mean it's going to be your experience. Right, right, right. But I mean, it's it's, it's like almost a little uh, liberating in a sense to not saying that I think anything that my professors told me was a waste of time. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able to be like, well, I can choose what I want to like check out and at what rate I want to check it out and like, you know, have my own priorities in state rather than having to balance that with what was being prescribed to me on top of, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and now I feel like I certainly have a little bit more freeway as if, uh, like to choose if someone was to prescribe something, how I'm going to do it. You know, like someone, you know, in school, like if your trombone professor told you like, well, transcribe this JJ solo, you're going to be like, sure. <laughs> you know, you don't really have an option. Sure. But now if someone's like, hey, you should transcribe this Curtis Fuller solo. And you're like, ah, you know, you can say sure and not do it. <laughs> and that's the choice <laughs> that you're going to make. Uh, maybe you should move to LA. Wait, why are you saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Just that attitude. Just that attitude. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then you, you never know, hear from you again. That's not true. That that's was not the end true. of Alan. <laughs> the end of LA just t swallows you up and, and that is it. <laughs> that's funny. But no, that's cool. That's good. I'm glad you're motivated to practice. So what's, what are you feeling like you want to check out first? After six years of study, you're going to do what? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm just curious. Like like trumpet-wise, what am yeah, I doing? trumpet. Trumpet-wise, music-wise. Um, well, I've been... Um, God, this is going to sound really nerdy. I've gotten like a real, uh, like a reappreciation for trying to like get really into, um, like technique stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense that like, I feel like I was always kind of doing the same things, um, because I knew that they worked and I knew that they would warm me up and they would do what they needed to do so that I could then do the rest of the stuff I wanted to do. Like I always hated warming up because I was like, this is 45 minutes of my day that I want to spend practicing something else. Ah. Uh. Gotcha. Um, but now I don't feel like that pressure of like, I only have so many, so little time, like mm -hmm. in the day, you know? Yeah. Understood. Um, so that's cool. Like I'm definitely doing that. I've also, um, I've always felt like <laughs> comparatively to my friends, this is very funny. And if they hear it, they'll laugh. Uh, I've been like two years behind the curve. Uh, in what way? Um, so like freshman year of college, you know, um, we're like hanging out and my friends are listening to Kenny Garrett sing a song of song or like uh, Brian blades fellowship band, like landmarks. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then I remembered probably a year ago, like I sent a recording off of one of those albums to, uh, Ryan Vane, And he was just like, Alan, I showed you this two years ago and you didn't like it. That's funny. And so it's always like, I'm, I'm, uh, I felt like I've always been a little bit behind my, my friend and you know, I, I don't think that's anything bad. Like, it's just like, you come to enjoying what you enjoy listening to. Like, like obviously you have, your ears have to grow or whatnot. Sure. Um, and there's some things like, 
Chris Potter or some things that can be like a little overwhelming, I feel okay. uh, at first. So I've kind of started to get into that. Like I've really gotten into Sean Jones lately. Uh, Kenny Garrett's writing. Uh, I'm actually working on transcribing a Kenny Garrett solo, which is killing. Um, and it's been interesting because I've also uh, been trying to find um, <laughs> trumpet players that I like because I tend to find that the people that I like to listen to more are not trumpet players. Okay, that's okay. You go, I go through phases of trombone and non-trombone. Well, people. okay, it's a little different. There's like four of you. <laughs> oh, come on. Come <laughs> no, there's six. <sighs> I mean, no, that's cool. Yo, how do you feel about Bob Brookmeyer? I love Bob Brookmeyer. What do you love Bob Brookmeyer for? For his inventiveness and language and composition. So you like his playing? I do like what he plays. Yeah. Okay. Because I've heard and met some people that I guess don't group him with trombone. Oh, okay. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> I do, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, yeah, you know, you know, some people say like, he doesn't really swing that hard. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Have you heard these records? Like he's killing. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. What about all that Clark Terry stuff? R- yo, right. Um, I mean, come on. And Jerry Mulligan sextet stuff. I mean, I, to me, he swings just as hard as anybody, but okay. have you heard his, um, uh, his piano records? Brooke Myers. Yes. Ooh, maybe you found something I don't know. Oh, this is great. So there's a, <laughs> there's a record where Bob Brookmeyer and Bill Evans play duo piano. Oh, wow. I don't know that. Yeah. And they play it with, um, like they have like a bass and a rhythm section behind it, but it's called the ivory hunters. Oh, and so the band is Bob Brookmeyer, Bill Evans, Percy Heath, and Connie K. Oh, it's not even on Spotify. Yeah, it's killing. Um, I will. It's from uh, 1959, the illustrious year of jazz. Yes, the the death year of jazz. Um, let me send that to you. That's just like one of the tunes off of it. But um, dude, it's ridiculous. I didn't know, and I actually uh, heard that first, and I wow. thought that he was a pianist because of his writing and everything. Makes sense. I mean, he can really play piano. That's for sure. Ooh, oh yeah. Fine. But it's, um, there you go. Wow. Fun fact. Teach you go. That's fun. good. Oh, wow. You showed me something. Thank you. <laughs> It'll happen um, every now and then. No, I, of course. Um, no, I didn't know that, but yeah, I mean, Bob Brookmeyer, like I don't, I wouldn't use him as like a example of someone who has like the best trombone sound or something like that. But I think he's super interesting in the way that he improvises and how it connects with his, I think it's a great example of someone like that developed their style over years of like thinking and in like refining, you know, like his music has a progression, like you can watch it like playing with Clark Terry to his stuff right before he died is like a lot different, you know? Well, I think it's really interesting listening. Um, like he's a prime example for me of someone who's like how your composition influences your, um, your soloing. Yeah. Like, I think it's essential. Yeah. Cause it's really, you shed that skill of like trying to figure out what you like and shed the skill of like, um, uh, putting into action what you're actually hearing mm-hmm. and a very, uh, analytical approach. Cause you then have to like write it out. <laughs> not only like, not just play it or not play it and then be like, ah, I'll get it next time. You know? Yeah. I'm glad you realized that I try, <laughs> I try to, uh, show, and mention that to students and they, a lot of them don't believe me. Well, now let me ask you this. What is your um, process for writing? 
because I will say that often for me, it's like a really bad game of darts. I, I, when I'm writing, I have to get into a practice of writing, meaning like I have to do it and just write whatever crappy thing comes to my mind for a while until I start to get some stuff that's better. Um, so just like shedding, you know, you get into a mode of you're really having time to practice and then you have time to actually sit down and write. So I write at the piano and I try to write the theme first and then try to develop the, the counterpoint between the theme and the melody and the bass, and then kind of fill in the middle after. Hmm. That's interesting that you, cause with me, it's, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Like I'll, I come up with like a very strange idea. Um, and then it like, it kind of expands from there. And then sometimes I learn that like, I'm trying to mash together two different ideas that really aren't the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, but I don't know, it's always like, sometimes I feel like I can get very, um, like I can copy <laughs> a lot and I don't know if that's necessarily a, uh, a good thing or a bad you mean copy someone else or you mean copy yourself or what do you mean? Um, someone else. Like for example, there was this composition that I did for my original, I wrote for my recital and it was because I was listening to, uh, the, uh, I was digging in Sean Jones and I was listening to his album roots, which is like really gospelly influenced. Yeah. Um, I think this was about that time where I sent you a text message one day that said, when ain't shit, it's all Sean Jones. Ah, um, <laughs> And then which we both clearly said that like they're both good. It was a joke in case anyone's hearing. Um, <laughs> but then he has this track called Mama off of his No Need for Words, uh, which was like really gospel influenced. And so I wrote a tune that also happened to be gospel influenced in three. And I was like, well, uh, no, I'm not trying to do the exact same thing. But, you know, after you know, there were certainly times where like Leon would ask me, he'd be like, man, so how'd you like, what, what, how'd you write that tune? I was like, well, it was based off of this. And he goes, okay, cool. I hear it. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Thanks. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad, you know? I, I think it's okay. I think it's just a fact, you know? Sure. Sure. I don't know. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. I will say though, I want to use, uh, you've been, you have a really cool, uh, uh, drum thing in one of your tunes, but I'm gonna try and steal for a thing. I don't know what you're talking um, about. <laughs> yeah, it's really descriptive there. Okay, you remember your arrangement of a flower is a lovesome thing? I do. Hey, you have the drums playing with like mallets? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I think that's cool. <laughs> that's it? Just the mallets? That's yeah, yeah, the only yeah, part. yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's cool. Took from that. okay. yeah, 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 that was about it. The rest of it, I was like, okay, this is kind of what I that's expect, fine. you know, cool. Sure. <laughs> I see. Interesting. No, it's interesting. Like hearing um, people do things with the drums that is not like spangalang, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think is really unique to the drums and, and it can be a really unique timbre in that respect. And I think because like so many people and it's, it's naturally usually pretty soft, um, which yeah, I think is interesting right. because I feel like people's immediate reaction when drums are soft is to let them play with brushes. Right. But then you get people like, like you or in that and like other people have used it too. It's certainly not just you. Right. Um, right. Or like Herlin Riley, like playing with his hands on the kit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to hear a different, uh, like, like dynamics are not, should not be limited by equipment by any means, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. What a, what a foreign concept. 
This is what I got with the master's degree, people. Dynamics. Wow. Dude, you're really you're doing well. You're doing yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. You're you're set. You're well set up to go in clinic. Any jazz band in the future. <laughs> hey guys, uh, those so those dynamics do so them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Well, there you go. Well, so, I mean, I think a lot of times stealing something as a jumping off point is something that I do too. Like, oh, I want this to feel like this tune or I want it to feel like that, this vibe or something, or it's these two tunes mashed together, like the vibe. Oh, yeah. of these tunes. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or weren't you the one that where I like asked you, I was like, man, why is sing a song of songs so good? And you're like, okay, well, there's many songs that have a baseline that goes one, five, nine. Yeah, true. And you're, and I was like, oh, that's it. And you're like, yeah. You like the one five nine? Put it somewhere. It's true. Did I say? It sounds like something I would say. <laughs> that, that's exactly what you said. Believe it or not, you're very blunt. This was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five years ago, it's almost. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, this is just like the other night when I was talking to you about flights, and you're like, "These are common facts. How do you not know this?" Um, You're a very blunt person occasionally. Often. Occasionally. Often. 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 I, I was there. That's a good thing or bad. No, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But, you know, some people probably prefer a little bit more tact. Oh, okay. Well, I try to be tactful. So you can only imagine what I might say if I wasn't trying to be tactful. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that would, uh, that, that would be, that would be interesting. I would, I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I don't think anybody else would. You know, speaking of things I would pay money to see. Oh, okay. Um, how how hip are you to Eddie Harris? Ah, Eddie Harris. Uh, somewhat hip. Have you explored Eddie Harris as a comedian? No. <laughs> so supposedly he was kind of like um cannibal like people say cannibal enjoyed to hear himself speak. Okay. Um I could see that. Did you say you could see that? I could, yeah, I could yeah, see yeah. that. He does so, have a nice voice. <laughs> Animal Don't you animal. like the, those those uh, introductions to those tunes? Yeah, I mean, I guess so, but I'm not doing it because of the quality of his voice. Okay. Um, wow, well, no, I've never seen this. <laughs> okay, well, I just sent you that, which is a it's a <laughs> it's his album called "The Reason Why I'm Talking Shit." Um, and it was an album that Eddie Harris released where he like sings on some of it, but like all it is, is it's, it, mo it mostly is made up of like the sound bites in between like his tunes. Oh, okay. And so like, he's hilarious, dude. He's very vulgar, but he's hilarious. I, yeah, I'll have to check it out. I never even knew that that was a thing. Yeah. Like definitely check out people getting ready to go see Eddie Harris or like he talks about the next band where, you know, I'm sure you've experienced it where the, the person that runs the club wants you to introduce the band that's going to be on next week. Oh, sure. Yeah. You mention it and he gets up there and he goes, there's going to be a band here next week who they are. I don't give a damn what they play. I don't give a damn. I'm here <laughs> playing my music and I don't give a damn whether you make some money or no money. That's funny. Yeah. So I don't know. It was something we were, uh, we were talking about at one point, uh, because of, uh, you know, like the, someone talked about how like comedians and, and jazz musicians used to be a lot more like paired closely. Mm -hmm. And like, that would be something that would like a comedian would open or a comedian would go in between sets or something like that to, to um, keep the show energetic and not, not like have it die off or anything, you know, and like stories of Bill Cosby coming in, doing stand up at, at jazz shows or, or other people doing, you know, stand up in between and whatnot. 
Yep. And then that digress into Eddie Harris and doing what Eddie Harris does. <laughs> oh boy. That's I, I've never checked that out. There you go. There's two to, things today. So you show me two things today. All right. Well, is it till in closing? Uh, I think I want to hear well from you, really. But so I am getting. I'm going to record two projects this month. Well, the end of this month, oh, beginning okay. of next month. And I'm trying to think of tunes. I'm doing another a duo project with Chris Ziemba to keep keep our little duo happening. And so I'm th- trying to think of tunes. I'm, make, I'm making a new record with my band too, but uh, I already know what we're playing for that. But so oh. if you, what are some tunes? You want standards or like any tune? Any, it could be anything really. I've been brainstorming tunes uh, for the last couple of days that might be nice tunes. So what tunes, what are some tunes that you've been thinking about? Because they're probably different than tunes that jump to my mind. Um, Cause tunes can be regional. Sometimes you just don't think about them for a long time. Sure. I think you should do like a Michael Jackson tune. Really? Like maybe like human nature or something. Okay. We could do that. Um, you could also, uh, I mean, I think that tune mama is really good off Sean Jones's record, but that's, you know, kind of, but it's got to be something like that's uh, able to be translated into like a duo setting. I think it could be. You could play my tune, Selfless Plug. Oh, oh there back. you go. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I was thinking of You're My Everything. You know that one? Yeah, that's a killing tune. But you got to play it in B. In B? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why? <laughs> Who plays it in B? Okay, so I was playing on a guy's recital. Um, oh, right, and you told me this. And yes, you wanted to play it. and it was on that Winton Stainer Time volume where he plays a tune on every single key. Mm. And he's like, let's do it the Winton version. Winton and I was like, great. And he goes, that means also the Winton key. And I was like, man, you play drums. Yeah, that's not very nice. Um, there's also this killing. Um, oh, that one might not be a good duo tune. Do you have a good ballad yet? Um, I was thinking about ask me now. I mean, that's, that's a good ballad. Like, I'm not going to say that that's a bad ballad or, or never let you let, never let you go or never let me go. That's also a good one. What, what about the nearness of you? That's a nice one. It's, it's a popular one. Yeah. I mean, one. I've, I've just been listening to, uh, there's an album called friendship with Clark Terry and Max Roach where they do like a bunch of duo stuff. Okay. I don't, I don't know that one. It's even oh. another record. I don't know. There's so many records, man. What's it called? Uh, Friendship. Clark Terry. Friendship. I told you, I sent you pictures from that. Uh, dude, that's so, room, right? that's so sick. He's like the baddest dude. Yeah, so I was playing at um, Marion's Jazz Room in Switzerland. And anyway, there was one room that was themed after Clark Terry. So there's like all this Clark Terry stuff in there. And uh, so I sent Alan some pictures because I know he's a big fan. I mean, who isn't? But I'm just saying. That's the background of the story. Okay, I see this record here. <laughs> That's a great story, Nick. Good story. Oh, uh, Jesus. Okay, so this has been quite an adventure of an episode, so I'll leave it there. If you're listening to this on the month of May 2019 and you have a suggestion for a duo tune for trombone and piano, I know it's everyone's favorite medium to listen to jazz in, but regardless of your thoughts on that, I'm going to do it anyway. So if you have any thoughts on tunes, I will take requests. I might not do it, but I will take the request. I'll listen to what you had to say. I just might not do it though. <laughs> might not do it though. 
But no, sometimes you just need to talk it out. You need to get people sending you names of tunes and you're like, oh, yeah, well, but what about this? But what about this? So, Alan, I wish you the best of luck in your first couple of weeks in uh, Nashville. Oh, fine. And also people should send Alan recommendations of things or people to see in Nashville. Yeah, people I'm all, meet, for it. all for it. Shows, if you have shows, a show coming up and you want Alan to come, you want to put him on the guest list. <laughs> Uh, he would be happy to attend. And then we'll talk That's about true. it on the next week of The Hang. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's a it's free promo for everyone. All right, well, I'm going to end it here. Sorry for the technical difficulties and topic switching, but uh, we will be back in just a few weeks with another episode. Until then, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we leave you <laughs> adieu. <laughs> okay, we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>